I'd like to just lift out these last two verses that we just heard. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. And then this verse in particular. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. You know, I I mentioned last week that there are a lot of people that they're always uh, saying just, if God's really here, why doesn't he just let us know? Why doesn't he just speak from heaven and, and let us know and just make it clear? I mean, why didn't he just put out a public broadcast on all the news and say, you know, hey, buddies, I'm here. You know, why doesn't he speak to heaven all around the world and let us know? Why is he so obscure? The thing is, there's uh he's here. He's around us. So I was thinking about this. It reminded me of a cruise that Cher and I were blessed to take many years ago. And our kids were with us. And my daughter, Erin, she would come up to us and say, Dad, there's this guy. He's just crazy. His name's Robert. But he's just so much fun. And uh, she just kept on talking about the friend Robert that she had made on this cruise ship. He, she said that he was grown, but he just acted like a kid and he played chess with her every day. And, uh, uh, they, he just uh, told funny jokes and they just really enjoyed being around him. Said, you've got to meet him. He's a neat guy. You'd really like Robert. And I just say, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, whatever you see, you do let me know, you know. Well, I never met Robert. We went home. And one day we were sitting, I was, Sharon and I were sitting watching TV and Erin came walking through the room and she stopped and she said, what's Robert doing on television? What's he doing there? He shouldn't be there. Now, what we were watching was Hell's Kitchen. And uh, it, if you remember, the star of Hell's Kitchen was the same guy that was the star of Beretta, Robert Blake. And back at that point in time, before he really got in all sorts of craziness and trouble, he was one of my favorite actors. And I had always, I would have been just thrilled to get to meet Robert Blake. And here we had biddly bopped around on this cruise ship for a week, going off and on, visiting different places. And we just never came across each other. And I was just why didn't you tell me? He said, he's just Robert. I don't know. What is he doing on TV there? You just, just her buddy Robert. And, uh, uh, but the thing is, if she didn't know who he was, in fact, she recalled, said, you know, we were sitting playing chess one day. He says, Aaron, do you know who I am? She said, yeah, you're Robert. Said, no, do you know who I really am? You're Robert. And uh, then uh, he said, Aaron, do you ever watch television? I said, yeah, I watch, I watch a lot of television. She said, he just said, oh. <laughs> and uh, she really put him in his place, sad to say. He wasn't as popular as he thought he was. But the thing is, 
is that uh, the Lord has come. He has let us know. And this is one of the things that John is writing about. He has come. He's done the very things that everybody says, why doesn't God just do so and so? Because he's already done them and a whole lot more. Uh, now this is, uh, uh, let's see, he uh, has let us know, but just like me on that boat, Aaron was telling me I needed to meet her friend Robert. And I was just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we run across him, fine. The thing is, we have to be serious in looking for him. He's told us, if you seek me with all your heart, you will ever surely find me. Now, Aaron had told me I needed a meeting. She encouraged me to meet him, but I just didn't put forth any effort to meet her friend, Robert. And it was my loss. It would have been fun to have Robert Blake as a friend or an acquaintance. When it comes to God, I did the same thing for many years. I listened and I said, yeah, yeah, but what about, and I would actually be the devil's advocate in Sunday school class. And I didn't realize how apropos that particular uh, label was. I would be the one that was always bringing up questions and, uh, and, 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 and doing so seeding doubt instead of faith in people's hearts. In a way, Christianity was just a, a big social event and a cultural phenomenon and a chance to do some uh, philosophical reflection with others on life from time to time. Then one day, I realized that I was just pretending to be a Christian. I said I was a Christian, and I went through a lot of the motions of being a Christian, and there was something within me that kept me from going too far in the areas of immorality and sin that bugged me, and I knew it was my upbringing, and I decided, this is back in a time when we were getting to the place where we are today, casting off all restraints. And so I decided I needed to know for sure. I shouldn't let my upbringing hold me back from the truth. And uh, a lot of people around me were doing the same thing that I was. They were talking the talk but they weren't really walking the walk and their hearts weren't really fully his. And uh, I decided that I needed to find out. Uh, you remember the story of the emperor's new clothes and how these con men came and told the emperor that, uh, that they were going to make him some of the most fabulous clothes, most splendid clothes ever. And then they pretended to sew, but they didn't give him anything. But he said, well, I can't see. But, but, and he was asking about them. And somebody, anyway, they told him that these clothes could only be seen by those who were pure of heart. And since he couldn't see them, he didn't want to let people know that he wasn't pure of heart. And so the word got out. And so everybody was just 
Oh, making so much of a big to-do out of the emperor's new clothes while he was strutting around in his underwear. And so, uh, anyway, everybody said, oh, yes, yes, they're just beautiful. And they describe his clothes to each other. And there was nothing there. And there were a lot of people just like me. And we were all doing the same thing. And I decided that if Christianity was a lie, why was I bothering with it? If, if it was true, I needed to get on board full, full scale. And so uh, I just, I, that's the way I was with the Christian faith. And I said, I believed in God and in Jesus, but I didn't experience any of the things that we sang about even earlier in church this morning. It was all just a matter of wanting to blend in and get along and follow tradition and make sure that I was acceptable in the sight of my family and others. So I decided to put it to a test. If the claims of Christianity were true, I wanted to be a Christian. If they were not, why should I bother? Why live a lie? pretending to be something I was not. So I prayed honestly and earnestly, God, if you're there, let me know. And that, if you've never prayed, if you're in the boat that I was in and you're just not sure, I encourage you, pray that prayer because he'll begin to let you. If you're serious about it, if you pray it with all your heart and you're tired, sometimes people are afraid to find out because they're afraid they might be wrong. And they're afraid that if they found out, it would decimate them because they want to go to heaven. And they just want to, if they, but they're trying to hedge their bets, more to speak, more, more anyway, so to speak. And so... If you're serious, pray that prayer and the Lord will begin to let you know uh, because he is there. What I discovered is that first of all, as I said earlier, he has let us know. That's what John was trying to tell us. God has visited us. He spent three years telling us and showing us all about himself, his father, and the Holy Spirit. And on two occasions, God did speak directly from heaven. Other people heard it. At the transfiguration, the, uh, uh, the disciples that were there with him heard it. And both Peter and John, both in their later writings would say, And we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten Son of God. And yes, they beheld His glory on that mountain. But then they also beheld His glory daily as they walked with Him, as they listened to Him. And then they have tried their best to share with us what He shared with them. And understand this, this was God speaking to these men telling them about himself. 
There are a lot of questions we don't need to have today because God has already given us the answer in his word. Well, in Luke 9.35, it says at the transfiguration, no, yeah, at the transfiguration, and there came a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. If anyone doubted that Jesus was the son of God, God himself, God the Father, made it clear. This, Jesus Christ, is my beloved son. And then he went ahead and he said, listen to him. This is my beloved son. I've sent him to you. Now listen to him. And yet, what do we want to do? We want to pontificate and speculate and opinionate and argue about even if Jesus really said these things instead of doing what the Lord wanted us to do, which is what? Listen to him. Listen to him. Interestingly, one of the arguments against the veracity of the Bible is the fact that the four Gospels don't read exactly the same. Well, if they didn't read it, if they read exactly the same, you just have to have one account, right? So why four? This was one of my questions. And, uh, you know, I've always, I'll give you the answer that I've come up with. I have always been an investigator. Since I was a kid, I've always wanted to find out what makes things tick, why things are the way they are. I've done it with people. I've spent, I've spent years in counseling training so I could understand what made people tick. And, uh, I have always investigating and trying to find out what the truth is about things. And, uh, whenever I was in claims, I loved to investigate claims and get to the truth. Say there was an automobile accident and I interviewed four different people and I'd take statements from everybody and uh, say that I interviewed a, uh, a policeman. He'd tell me who broke the law and who should get the ticket, right? If I interviewed a lawyer, he would look at it from more of a legal standpoint as to who was negligent, who was entitled to damages and things of that nature. If I interviewed a uh, automobile mechanic, he could tell me all about the damage to that left rear quarter panel on that 79 Toyota, couldn't he? And he could give me great detail about that. If I interviewed a doctor, his interest in the things that he would lift up were injuries or lack of injuries. And whenever you took all the different accounts and put them together, even though they might vary, like one person may say it was five feet, the other people six feet, their perception was such and their angle and all, you put it all together, you had, I would have a much better picture of the accident than even the people that were involved in it. 
because I had these different points of view and different emphases. And, uh, and so it is with the Gospels. Now, one thing that comes clear as you read the Gospels, the main message that comes through is 2,000 years ago, there was a man. And that man's name was Jesus. And this man was God. And God in the flesh walked here on earth. He walked around with us. And he tried his best to pour himself into us and to teach us and to let us know what he wanted from us, what he wanted from you, and what we can expect from him. And what he was going to do for us. And then later in the epistles, we can see what he did for us. He makes it very clear. The Bible makes it very clear. Uh, If you pull them all together, as I said, you get a much bigger account. Now, one of the things he said, as far as the things that uh, he taught us about, I'll just go through quickly five different things that we should know. We should listen to him and understand these things. The first is he is our heavenly father. He wants good for his children. Jesus just flat told us that uh, if any of you, uh, if your son asked for your anything, for, for anything, what would you, what would you do? You'd want to give him good gifts. Said, if you then being evil will give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to you? He really cares about you. He is your heavenly father. He made it clear he is very interested in you. He uh, is so interested in you that he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows all about you. And he listens to you. He hears your prayers. And he encouraged us to pray. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. He watches out for you. Said so you don't need to worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. For your heavenly father, he knows you have need of those things. He is merciful and he will forgive. Another thing that he taught that nobody wants to hear is that hell is real. 70 of the references to hell in the Bible were statements made by Jesus himself. And that's one of the things that people was, oh, God would never do. And that's opinion, that's speculation. God himself has made it clear there is a hell. And But then he didn't stop there. Yes, there is a hell, but... God doesn't want you to wind up there. 
And he has gone to great lengths to provide ways for you to avoid it. Then he also makes it clear what you do is important. There are a lot of people today that are wanting to say, oh, it doesn't matter what any if anything that you do to try to please God, that's works and works aren't going to save you. And you know what? That's right. Works will not save you. Only the blood of Jesus is going to save you. But what did Jesus tell us in so many different ways? Good works will not get you to heaven, but you won't get to heaven without them. Did you know that? He's made it clear. When the sheep and the goats are lined up there, he's going to separate them, right? And what are the, what's going to be the criteria that he gives? A couple of criteria. Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that? No, I don't know you. Two things there. Not just doing things in his name, but it's knowing him. And the thing is, he's going to, there's another place where he says, I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was naked and you gave me clothes. And uh, he rewards those that did those things. And he tells the others to depart from him. And so he has made it clear that our actions do count. But the reason why they count is because they are going to come forth from a transformed heart who has already listened to him whenever he said at the very beginning, repent, quit living this self-centered, self-aggrandizing life. And understand that your heavenly father has a much better life for you to live. Turn away, turn toward me and away from all those things that you've been pursuing. So what you do is important. And then finally, whenever people say, well, you know, we're just all trying to get to the to the same place, aren't we? I'm not, I've told you this, I'm not trying anymore. I have a reservation. And the thing is, he's made it clear the way. You don't have to try. You have to receive. And he's already made the way. In fact, he's made it clear. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And the father's already said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And people don't want to hear that. And if you don't listen to people, you're not going to learn anything from them, are you? You're not going to understand what's go- what, what they want. But this is what he has said. Listen to him. And he has said, no one comes to the father but by me. And that's not just taking what happened on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. It includes receiving him as your savior and your Lord. He made that so clear. So the Lord has revealed, he has explained, he has made clear uh, the father, what the father wants from us, Uh, who the Father is, and uh, 
what he has done for us through Jesus Christ. He's made all that clear. I think that this is one of the reasons why the WWJD thing got so important. Because, you know, that was for what would Jesus do? You can speculate and you can uh, opinionate about what Jesus would do in a set of circumstances. But let's face it, you're not Jesus and I'm not Jesus. And what he would do isn't necessarily what we should do. And that's why if I was going to do a bracelet for everybody to wear, he would say WWJHMD. WWJHMD. What would Jesus have me do? That is clear. There's no speculation about that. If you're holding bitterness in your heart, you don't say, what would Jesus do? You ask him, what would Jesus have you do? And he has made it clearer than the nose on your face. Forgive him. He's made it clear. There's no speculation about it. You might want to say, well, mine's a special case. That's not what he said. He said, forgive him. And uh, then I uh, just think of all the other things. Whenever you're wanting to be hateful, uh, whenever people mistreat you, what do he say to do? Love them. He tells you what to do. It's clear, but no one wants to listen to him. They just want to speculate and argue. And in our country, you get the place where we want to fight about it. And it's already been made clear what we should do. And so you should turn here, first of all, after you turn to him in prayer, and he'll make it clear what he would have you do if you'll obey God and listen to him. But you've got to listen. And it's amazing. It's amazing what would happen, what will happen when you start listening to him and doing all that he's told you to do. Because I've discovered it's as I made up my mind, I'm going to just start doing the things that I know he said to do. All of a sudden, scales began to fall off my eyes. I was afraid to take some steps at one point because I was afraid that maybe Christianity wasn't really true. And the hope of heaven was comforting, but I knew I didn't have it where I was. But whenever I started just taking the steps, the first one being, I'm going to assume that Jesus really said these things and that he really was and that he meant these things that he said. The moment I started doing that, I found the cross. I found forgiveness. I found new life. I found a power in my life at work transforming me and making me a different person, a different creature. But it didn't happen until I earnestly sought him and then started asking him, what do you want me to do? And that can be a dangerous question to ask, because if I hadn't asked that question, 
I wouldn't be standing in front of you here right now. Because whenever I, the first time I asked him that question, the answer was, well, you ought to be a preacher. No, not that. But because I was willing to do, and this is the second part, you can know what he wants you to do, but then you need to be willing to do it and do it. And I'm so glad that Sharon agreed with me that we needed to do what God told us to do.